Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I am your host, Matt, as always. And today I'm super excited to dive into a topic that every type of growth practitioner needs to be thinking about and like have a skill set around, which is copywriting. And today I'm joined by Sarah Stockdale, who's the founder and CEO of Grow Class. Sarah, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Of course. We connected a couple weeks ago to, to talk about what we we're going to chat about on the podcast. And you had this topic like came right out of your back pocket. And I think that it is one of those topics that is so prevalent yet like under thought of in a lot of ways. So before we go ahead and, and jump into the topic, I think it would be great if you can give a quick intro of yourself for the folks listening. Yeah, for sure. Well, as Matt said, my name is Sarah Stockdale. I'm the founder and CEO of Grow Class, which basically is an online growth marketing education that came out of my frustration trying to find good online education that wasn't crappy blog listicles written by people who had just thrown something together. So we put together the smartest people that we knew in the industry and we built a six-week online growth marketing course. And we're on our fourth cohort now and it's been a ton of fun. I've spent my entire career growing early stage startups, starting as one of the foundational members of Wave, which is an accounting software platform that was recently acquired by H&R Block. And I also led the community growth team at Tilt before it was acquired by Airbnb. Awesome. So let's go ahead and talk about copywriting. So the reality is like, you brought it up and then it, it really made me realize how universal it is, right? If you're a growth marketer and you're doing ads, you need to write the ads. If you're running a campaign in the product. You need to be able to write, create micro copy around it. Like there's so many angles of this and it feels like it good copy could make or break an experiment or something that you're doing from a growth perspective, or even like the experience that someone has when they come to your website or when they sign up for your product for the first time. So let's talk about copywriting at a high level, and then we'll dig into maybe some examples. Give us your view on why it's like so critically important to be good at copywriting. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. It is the most essential skill that a growth marketer has, but it's one that we kind of put to the bottom of the pile all the time. We talk so much about landing page optimization and optimization of our ads, and we dig into the numbers. And a lot of the time when I was consulting and working with clients, They'd say, you know, we have these incredibly analytical minds working on our ads. We've hired this agency that's running tons of experiments. And I dig into the copy and just say, this isn't written for humans. Like you can optimize this all you want, but it is not connecting to pain. It's not connecting to a problem. And you haven't been able to tell a story with these landing pages. So I don't really care how in the weeds of the optimizations you are. This will never work unless we get the copy piece right. And I realized that we want to think of ourselves as these incredibly, this incredibly fancy version of a marketer, right? This incredibly data-driven version of a marketer, and we should be. But we also need to be incredibly empathetic storytellers so that we can connect our landing pages and our ads and our emails and our microcopy to the customer and get them to feel seen, get them to say like, oh my gosh, this product is for me. They understand me. And I think that's that's where a lot of companies are failing and where this is a huge opportunity for growth. And it's really interesting that you bring up the like way that someone could experiment their way into the copy. Like what I'm hearing from you is there is a critical difference between 
writing something down and A-B testing your way into like a high converting thing. And instead being really thoughtful about like the experience that you want to build and putting the voice into that, like before you even begin to just like start with baseline experimentation. Yeah, I think with copy experimentation is key because you are so in the weeds with your product that you are going to be mostly wrong when you write your copy. But it normally is the last thing that we throw together before we put up the landing page or before we put up the ads. And I think it needs to be a much more thoughtful process that comes before you think through the experiment. You're kind of focused on the customer and always having those conversations, pulling out their keywords, pulling out their key phrases, digging through your support channels, talking to your customer happiness people, and really getting a sense of what are the words and the phrases that people are using to describe their pain? And how do we integrate that into the way that we talk to our customers through all of our channels? I love that because there's a few examples there of ways that you can like dig out good copy, right? It's through the things that people are writing into your email support team, or they're live chatting you like, using their own words and like phrasing to inform the way that you're going to approach copy seems pretty important. In girl class, we call this customer integration, but there's a whole bunch of different ways that people talk about this. Making sure that your growth people, the folks that are writing your copy and running your experiments and building your channels are having conversations every day with your core user demographic. Like, I don't care if you are selling something to folks in their 80s. If you want the privilege to do that, you got to chat with people in their 80s every single day. So you have to figure out, okay, what are the what are the key channels that we're going to use to talk to our customers? And I think the easiest first step is dig through those support call logs, dig through Zendesk, pull out those key phrases and those key questions. But then once you've done that, that's kind of step one. And step two is what is the structure and process for making sure the people that are writing our copy are talking to our customers every single day because they have to tell those stories. They have to connect to those people. They have to sell them something. And if they're kind of doing that in a vacuum, you're never going to get that copyright. It feels like it's really easy. I'm guilty of this. It feels really easy to like sit and look at some campaign that you're going to run or a thing you're going to launch or release. And you just think, well, yeah, of course I know our customers, I can write good copy, like I can just go ahead and write this, right? But it is a very privileged and rare scenario where you are the user of the thing, like you're the customer and also the person building it. And even still, because you're building it, like you're so biased that it's hard for you to just like do it in your own, as you said, vacuum. I run this little mini test with copy for our own site and for the stuff that we're experimenting with as a company. And I'll just write 30, 50 value props. And then I put them in front of someone who's in my core demographic and half of them get wiped out right away, right? Like I'm mostly wrong. And it's better to be mostly wrong and not spend money on it than be mostly wrong on channels that you're spending a lot of money on. And then you have to do that kind of A-B testing on someone's credit card versus figuring out how to do that before you're spending any money on your campaigns. It seems like such an easy way to get a win. Like take all the versions that you wanted to go test and just do a litmus test of putting it in front of like three people that are going to tell you if this doesn't make sense to them. Well, and have them, especially if you're a new product, especially if you are kind of building your first homepage copy or building your first website or landing page copy, 
ask them to explain it back to you. Like have your value proposition in front of those customers and say, explain this back to me. And you will discover so many interesting nuggets of information. People tend to not understand things the way that you understand them because you're so in the weeds with your product and your company. And you are probably explaining in a much higher level than what they need. They need functionally, like, what is this thing? Does it solve my problem contextually? Like, am I coming from an ad and landing on a landing page that makes sense? Have you explained it in the same way? When we first launched Tilt in Canada, the copy that was like the value proposition that came down from the CEO was collect money with friends, make anything happen. And that doesn't mean anything. Like That doesn't make any sense. If you are a Canadian who's never seen this product before and you land on this landing page, I have not identified a pain. I have not explained what the thing does. I haven't educated you at all on the benefits. And I call that kind of like vitamin or ecstasy copy. This like this could make your life better. And really what people identify with is how are you going to solve a problem for me? How are you going to resolve a pain for me? How are you going to make my life easier or faster? And like, what are those adjectives that make the most sense? And so what we ended up going with was something that came from our customers. We went and asked a whole bunch of our early users, like, what are you using this for? We dug through Zendesk. We had tons of conversations and we found out that really the main thing that they were using the thing for was to get their shitty friend to pay them back for the telephone bill or for the internet bill or for a meal. And it had nothing to do with collecting money and making anything happen. It had everything to do with just getting paid back from that friend that never pays you back. And that became our key copy. We developed a persona around this person. Dave is the worst. This person who never pays you back for the internet bill is the worst. And so when you landed on those landing pages that we built, you immediately identified with who in your life was the Dave and how much money they owed you. And we were resolving that pain for you. We're like, we know this is the problem. Here's the solution to that problem. And our pages for our international product outperformed the US. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but exponentially. Like we saw international countries where the product was brand new start to outgrow the US. I love that example. Yeah, it's so straightforward for someone to connect with. I think you have a couple other examples. Maybe we could talk through some of those of like really great copy. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. So we do this thing with our students where we have them go on their website, go on their landing page or their homepage and control find for the word we or the word us, because I find so many companies, it's about you, right? It's your features. It's your company. And you tend to say like, we deliver the best experience. We help you do things faster. We, 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 us, us, us. And so when I'm looking at good website copy, I'm always looking for like, where is, where am I as a user in this copy? So one of my favorite examples of that, and they've done an incredible job of also bringing in the context of COVID. So not just kind of leaving their landing page alone and saying, we're going to kind of keep our status quo copy. We know this huge, this massive international thing is happening and everyone is kind of experiencing the same pain and challenges right now, obviously not all at the same time, but so they're addressing what's happening contextually in the world and they're putting their customer at the center. And the example is Basecamp. So when you land on their landing page right now, it says the all-in-one toolkit for working remotely. Working remotely is the number one thing on people's minds right now with COVID. 
And we have this incredibly smart kind of before and after. So before Basecamp, you're wondering how you'll quickly transition your team to remote work. People are stressed, work feels scattered, projects are slipping, and it's tough to see and manage everything. I can feel that. That's a story I understand. And like now I've put myself in the headspace of feeling all those feelings. Things are slipping, projects are slipping, like nothing is getting done. And now we're moving to the after base camp. Soon you'll be feeling like, hey, we've got this. Everything will be organized in one place. Your team will be working together, even though they're apart. You'll be on top of things and a sense of calm will set in. Like not only are they addressing what's going on in the world, putting the customer at the center of the copy, but they're also evoking these emotions, like all of these things that they know their customers are experiencing. They're putting them in the mindset of that kind of fear and anxiety. And then they're resolving that for them in the copy. I think it's, I think it's genius. It's the best landing page I've seen in ages. Yeah, there's so much empathy there because it, it feels like almost anyone that lands on that page is going to feel that same way. And it just so hits the nail on the head. Yeah, it's and the before and after is genius. Like that is just such a genius storytelling element that they've brought into it. I'm always impressed by Basecamp's copy. That's awesome. I I was poking around on that page too, and it's it's really, really good. Worth checking out for sure. Cool. What about another example? Yeah, for sure. One of them that I I don't know if you've seen this, Matt, but I love muzzle. And it's basically just an extension to silence your notifications when you're screen sharing. Like it's a really, really simple tool. But when you land on their landing page, they know their key value proposition can be kind of funny because the notifications that you might not want your colleagues to see could be could be pretty interesting. So they do this really great thing that I love where they show and they kind of show their product instead of telling. So when you land on the landing page, you kind of see the super simple value proposition that they silence their notifications while you screen share. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these notifications populate on the right side of the page. And it's like, there's an issue with your porn billing. There's your friend is asking you about the symptoms for chlamydia. Your dad is saying he's disappointed in you. So you're just getting all of these incredibly funny, but also like you're now you're conjuring your own stories. You're feeling your own, you know, bit of fear that's mixed with that release of comedy and they're showing the value prop in real time. And I think that is kind of a genius way of like this super simple value proposition that anyone can understand quickly, but then bringing in that empathy and bringing in that emotion and showing instead of telling how the product is going to basically prevent you from these horribly embarrassing kind of porn billing related notifications. Yeah, this is, I opened up the page while you're talking about it and it just keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) It's been going for like two minutes. It just keeps on going. Like I just got a text from dad that said, mom and I think it's time for you to move out. <laughs> there's there's a lot of funny stuff here. Yeah. And I also like what they do here in that it's almost like another take on, I feel like most software companies have at some point, if not at this moment on their homepage, have that thing where there's like a blank space in the sentence. It's like your best way to avoid stacked up papers on your desk like and then that that word like swaps out constantly like this is almost like it's just a such a more fun contextualized version of that because it is the notifications yeah like we've we've all seen those landing pages that it's like makes your work faster easier better and it's like literally I think it's like a kind of a cop out like you haven't done enough customer empathy work to like know what that adjective should be. So you're just like, let's try all of them. Like, let's just cycle through a million of them. 
and Muzzle's just kind of taken that idea and done such a such a more interesting, empathetic version of a landing page with it. That's really interesting. I, I see how it does kind of act as a crutch because you're like, well, I don't know. You could be one of these five people, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll, we'll just like keep throwing stuff at you and hope that like by the time you're still on this part of the page, one of those things makes sense to you. Yeah, let's let's just like throw the kitchen sink at you and hope something resonates. And like, that's, I think it's kind of lazy. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so let's talk about, you had told me that there are like three core principles about with great copy. Let's talk about each of those. Yeah, totally. And there's definitely, there's so many things like writing is such a, a massive skill. There's so many things that you can do with it. These are just kind of three tips that can be helpful if you're just kind of getting started and you're trying to figure out where to start. So the first one that I like to talk about a lot is make people feel seen. So a lot of the time when, when folks are writing copy, especially if you're in the weeds of a startup and there's a million things going on, it's really easy to forget who you're talking to, especially if you're raising money, if you have competitors and you're looking at their copy all the time, sometimes you start writing for an investor or you write for your CEO or you write for a competitor instead of writing for that core user that's landing on the site. I don't really care if it's beautiful. I don't care if it's well-designed. I just care that it speaks to the right person and it speaks directly to their pain and to the core of the problem that you're solving for them. So you can very quickly and easily do the exercise that I mentioned earlier, which is just control find for any part in your copy where you've said we or us. And that is like highlight every every single sentence where you talk about yourselves instead of your customer. That's a good place to start to resolve that pain. And then the next piece is how are you telling the story? Because I think a lot of people, when they look at landing pages, they see, okay, here's the headline and the descriptor copy, and then we have to kind of explain the features. For me as a potential customer, I need to be led down a path. I need to be told a story. So not only are you making me feel like you understand my problem and that you're a potential solution for it, but you're also educating me on what your thing is. You're earning my trust. You're resolving my objections. There's a whole bunch of work that that landing page has to do. And it has to do it in an order that makes sense to me as a reader, not in kind of chunks of just designed copy, right? Like this is the chunk where we give the description. This is the chunk where we give the features. That copy all has to work together to tell a story to me. So if you look on the grow class copy, we kind of give a little bit of a day in the life of one of our users. Like your numbers are down you're feeling stressed, your boss is asking you to try new channels, but you haven't used this tool in years. You go online and you Google and you look at blogs and it kind of seems like everyone has their stuff figured out, but they also don't give any details on how to do this. And then you start chewing your fingernails like, and you're starting to kind of work in an empathy driven story about your customer. And that's what Basecamp did really well. And that's what we try to do with all of our landing pages. And we've actually seen since we introduced storytelling elements, about a 36% lift in people getting to the next call to action on that page. So it's not just kind of a touchy feely thing. Stories are going to drive conversion. If people, if your customer can see themselves in those stories. So you really need to make that person feel seen. You need to center your customer in your copy at all times. And remember who you're talking to. Don't talk to your investors. Send them to a different page. Send them somewhere else if they're not your core user demographic, because that is not who you're trying to convert. 
And this is really interesting, the thread of storytelling through the whole experience, because there's two examples that I think about where this is important to consider is, let's say you're launching a new product and you're getting posted on some channel, maybe it's like product hunt. So what you're saying is that the copy that's on product hunt and that page should like be a starting point for the story that they are then going to see on the next page when they click through, as opposed to like a disjointed marketing flyer. Yeah. So product hunt is a great example. If you're posting on product hunt, you have an idea of maybe your users are on product hunt, maybe they're not, but you know, the kinds of folks that are hardcore product hunters. Like I'm sure both of us really like product hunt and you would be tailoring that copy to talk to that specific user and then taking them on a journey. So when I click your ad or, you know, your micro copy on product hunt and I'm taken to your landing page, that experience has to feel contextual. Like the copy that's on that, the copy that's on that ad or that micro copy needs to kind of match the tone and the personality and some of the keywords of the copy on the next page, not just for SEO purposes, but that's helpful, but also because I need to like humans like to be told where they're going. They like to arrive where they're going. They like to be told where they are. And then they like to be told what's happening next. Like I don't like mysterious experiences. <laughs> I want to know that I'm in the right place or I'm going to, I'm going to leave your landing page. I'm going to turn. So you need to make that contextual and, and you also need to make people feel kind of psychologically safe. I see these keywords, I'm going to the right place and I have this intent and I go to the right place. So if you're just kind of sprinkling your keywords around your blogs and hoping you're going to get ranked for some keywords on Google and that people are going to arrive to your blog post that has those keywords. Like if I'm looking to purchase something and I land on a blog post, like that is a mysterious and non-contextual experience for me. And I'm just going to leave and try to find the thing I was looking for. It's experience design as much as it's storytelling. Like how do you make sure that people understand where they've landed and that they're getting the information that they need? Yeah. And another angle of this too is I work on the product teams that own all the onboarding flows. And what we try to do is have a continual thread, like use the headlines for each of the steps that you're getting onboarded to connect with the prior one in a way that makes you feel like you're on a journey rather than just like going through motions, right? I feel like a lot of product signups kind of fall in this trap where they they want to be so straightforward and so frictionless that they sacrifice any extra like copy or experience points that help the customer feel comfortable, as you were saying, with like where they are, what they're doing and why this thing even matters. And I love that because I think one of the things that probably you and I both try to do as growth marketers is like, let's strip as much complexity away from the user as possible. Let's reduce the number of form fields, reduce the the amount of friction to onboarding a product. But you also forget that they're people (laughs) and that they might have questions and that they might need a little bit of extra coaching through those experiences Instead of just like me as the product marketer, I want to collect a certain amount of information. So let's figure out how to do that as fast as I can. Well, me as a user, I need to understand why you're collecting that information. Why I should give it to you? Should I trust you? So you need to kind of build in those markers as someone's going through that onboarding flow and kind of take them through that process and make them feel accomplished. Like you are actually doing something great for your company or for your personal business or growth by giving us this information. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so a next principle you have, what's that? Yeah, so the next one is just make it really easy for them. We have kind of a bit of a flow that we like to take customers through on a landing page. 
So first we start off with like a 10 second scan test. People kind of read in an F-shaped pattern. So we want to make sure that when they're scanning kind of the above the fold part of your landing page, they're getting that key information as quickly as possible. And you're not making it hard for them. So you're not putting your headlines in all caps. Humans read in shapes. Don't make it harder for them. You're allowing them to get that information in a really short amount of time. So what I like to do is like, when you're doing a 10 second scan test on your landing page, have other stuff going on. So notifications should be popping up, you know, toddler should be screaming, your dog should be barking because your, your customer is never fully focused on your thing. I know we all wish they were, that they had enough time to take a minute and read your landing page, but it is like one of 50 tabs they have open. So we need to make sure that we're answering their key questions, that we're proving value and benefits, and that we're resolving their objections in kind of that above the fold copy, because 80% of the people who land on your landing page aren't going to get further than that first call to action. So that's making sure that your value proposition is incredibly clear, making sure that you've got trust represented there, that you've got testimonials or logos, that your call to action isn't something super generic, like sign up or learn more, that you're actually using that button copy to continue to infuse personality and letting them know what's going to happen next. And then as they get further down that page, they're becoming more and more committed. So you're taking them on a journey. You're taking them from that did I arrive in the right place? What is this thing? Is it going to solve my problem? And why should I care and trust it? And then as they get further down the page, you know that that person is more and more committed. They are identifying themselves as someone who is at least a little bit interested in what you have to say. So you're giving them more and more detailed information as they get down the page. And when they get closer to the bottom, that's features and pricing. That's when they're they're at a decision-making point in their journey and you need to give them that detailed information. So the hierarchy of your information on that page is incredibly important. So I would say to make it easy for them first, scan test. What are the easiest things for them to pull out on your headlines and your button copy? And then second, are you taking them on a journey? Does the hierarchy of your page make sense from understanding what the product is all the way through to, okay, now I need the details because I'm ready to buy. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. I like the idea of the scan test, like giving yourself the test to say like, is this thing scannable and can someone look at it and have a sense of what they're looking for if they fit the type of person that we want to keep reading. That's great. And then uh, your third principle, what's that one? This is just fun. The last piece is making them laugh. Obviously, if you're like a hardcore security company or an accounting company or a law firm, like, I don't know, maybe stay away from this one. But for the rest of us, when we're writing copy, we often forget that we're writing it for other people and other people like to be entertained. And if you can infuse some personality into your copy, you're much more likely to connect with another person. So I took a Second City stand-up course just as like a get out of your comfort zone kind of thing. And it was actually one of the best things that I've done for my growth career because I'm able to sign people up to newsletters. I'm able to get people to convert on landing pages because it sounds like you're talking to a friend. Um, There's an immediate amount of trust there when someone has some personality in their copy and you're setting yourself apart from competitors. And for me, like they can sound super robotic and being able to bring some of that personality in really sets your brand apart. And you saw that in Muzzle. You even saw that in Basecamp. Cards Against Humanity has an incredible landing page that does this really well. But if you don't think you're funny, 
Jerry Seinfeld was not funny when he started comedy. He just worked really, really hard. So he had a yellow legal pad every time he got up and told jokes. He would write intense, intense, intense notes after. And even for my Second City class, the people who were naturally the funniest ended up giving the worst, the worst kind of five minute bits at the end of the class because they were the people who didn't work hard enough. So you can work at being funny. And one of the things that you can do that's just like a fun test we did at Second City is just write down the thing that you had for breakfast as though you're filling out a police report and write it on every other line. And then go back and add punchlines. Go back and add quips to that copy to infuse personality into it, to make someone laugh, to get someone to connect with it. Because I find when someone laughs, they remember the thing that they laughed at and you want your product to be memorable. That's super cool. The like write your draft in a way that leaves space for you to like add humor. I think that's great. And then the other thing that you said that really connected with me is that you are writing copy for people. It's easy to fall into this mode where you are writing copy for leads or you're writing copy for signups, right? You're writing copy for users, right? But the reality is like you're writing copy for people <laughs> that want to be like engaged and entertained. I think that's just such a good way to, to anchor it. Yeah. And, and it does like when you're trying to keyword optimize and when you're A-B testing all of your copy, it's so easy to think of it as just an experiment and extrapolate it away from the person. But it's a, such a fun exercise if you're finding an ad that isn't converting, if you have a landing page that's performing poorly, go in and rewrite it like you're talking to your best friend, like you are just the most knowledgeable person on a subject that your friend is interested in. Explain it the way you would over coffee and see if that test performs better than your control. So on one of the recent episodes of this podcast, I had a woman, Hannah Russin, who is a CMO at Embark Vet, and we talked about like the core principles or the core skills that any successful growth marketer in any type of business or capacity like needs to have. And one of those pieces was storytelling. We talked about it a bit from the perspective of headlines, and I would love to get your take or advice on how... Like, how do you get good at boiling down all of what you want to convey into like 10 word piece of microcopy that you could only put in one space or the headline in the ad? Like, how do you get good at condensing it all? Do you have a process for that? Yeah, I think like, A, the way you get good at anything is by doing it an absolute ton. So just write, 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 find reasons to write all the time. For headline copy, I like to write like 30 or 50 of them myself. A lot of them will be trash. <laughs> Just trying to boil down. And you do have to do quite a bit of user empathy work. You have to have your, you know, you have to have built your personas. You have to have done your customer interviews. You have to have a really good idea of who this person is that you're talking to first before you get to write anything. And then when you do start writing, you will be mostly wrong. So you just have to write 30, 50, 100 headlines, use different adjectives, use questions, use positioning statements, like just go nuts, write everything, and then go back and eliminate half of them. And then take that half, the like whatever 25 that you've got left and bring it to other people on your team, bring it to customers, come up with another 25, and then eliminate the 25 that are the worst from that category. And then continue to kind of whittle it down. And you're not going to get to one perfect headline that'll work forever. 
bigger brands definitely because they have education in the space they've got a, a lot of brand awareness they'll come up with kind of their one headline and they'll stick to it for a while but if you're an earlier company you're going to be experimenting with this aggressively for a very long time so you need to just have tons of options that you can experiment with you're probably wrong like the ones that you think are your favorites are probably not going to convert as well as ones that you think are silly or overly simple but i would say like try to get to the simple core pain as quickly as possible and avoid if you can that kind of vitamin and ecstasy copy which is just that like super kind of happy benefit driven copy like i always think painkiller copy performs the best so how do you get to that root problem how do you synthesize it quickly you're going to have other opportunities to talk to that customer you have your descriptor copy you have your testimonials just make sure that it all tells a story together and never stop experimenting with your headline copy because it's the number one thing that's going to change whether or not your landing page is going to perform. And I especially love what you said in there uh, in the process of making all the attempts at copy is to like break the form, like just try all different types of forms of the sentence. Like you mentioned, write one as a question, write one as this other thing. Like don't get caught in the trap of like rewriting the fill in the blank sentence, right? You're saying like, just go wild, like just change all the structures and then see from there, which things hit. Cause that's how you end that base camp really special, like before and after type thing. Yeah. Like I do think, and this is like a very bad growth marketer, unscientific thing that I do, but it works and it's worked for my whole career is once you have those like five headlines, you like the best say them to people in your target demographic out loud. And like, I know we can't do much in person right now, but like say them out loud to people and wait for that kind of aha moment where their eyes light up, where they nod. Like you'll get that nonverbal feedback that someone has connected to the thing that you just said. And then you know you're on the right page. If their eyes stay dead, if they don't nod, if you have to keep explaining, you haven't hit it yet. You haven't synthesized that idea far enough yet. This is great. I learned a ton about copy and getting better at it. And I think that this was really awesome to have you here to, to talk through this. So Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. For you folks listening, as always, would super appreciate if you like this episode, hit the subscribe button, drop a review, listen to the other episodes. We've had some really amazing guests so far. I continue to learn a ton and hopefully you do as well. If you got feedback, questions, anything of the sort, my email is matt.drift.com. Just drop me a note. I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you.